amazing uh, time, and we're looking forward to uh, doing that again. Amen. We got some special things coming up next month. Amen. For the 21st, we're going to be doing some special things that weekend with our kids, and uh, we're we're working on that now. We're excited about what God is going to do. If you have your Bibles, if you would, uh, or if you are digital and you have your phone or you have a tablet or you know maybe you even brought your laptop I don't know but uh, if you are uh, able to and maybe you're watching us online if you want to pull up your Bible app and uh, look through we're going to be reading today Uh, we're going to be going through some scriptures and uh, how many of you know that we have gotten through Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2 already. And we're talking about God's masterpiece or the masterpiece in progress. And uh, that's you and I. We are His masterpiece. And we have been uh, doing this uh, probably, I don't know, what, three Sundays now? And this will be Sunday number four, is that correct? So today, I'm going to attempt to do something that uh, hopefully will keep us on track We are going to try to go from all the way from chapter 3 all the way uh, through chapter 4 to verse 16. That's what we're going to try to do today. Y'all are like, oh my goodness, I don't think that's going to be possible. So this is what I'm going to do. You guys have been standing for a while. I'm going to let you be seated since everything I do today is going to be almost reading scripture. But I just wanted you to pull it up, make sure that you have it handy, because we're going to get into this today. And uh, I believe that God is going to touch us, and He's going to speak to us here in the next few moments. Um, the last, uh, our last uh, Sunday that we had Masterpiece in Progress, we talked about, um, what, what did we talk about? Anybody remember what we talked about? Because it's been a minute. Made possible. What was made possible? What, what is made possible? The Masterpiece is made possible by... Jesus, right. Not by us. It's made possible by Him, by His blood, by His sacrifice, by what He did for us. It's not our works of righteousness, but it is His righteousness. Amen. And today we're going to move into uh, Ephesians chapter 3. And uh, so let's go, let's go there now. Verse 1, For this I, uh, cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. Now I want you to notice who Paul is specifically addressing here. He's saying, I am the prisoner for you Gentiles. And he says, if, everybody say if. If. Now, believe it or not, I could take that word if and I could preach on that for at least a half hour. (laughs) I'm not going to, I'm going to keep moving, but if, everybody say if. If. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given uh, me to you word... And that basically when he says to you word, he's saying on your behalf. It was given to me on your behalf. If. Everybody say if. If. That that denotes that there is some responsibility there, right? If. If this happened, then that should happen. So he says, if you uh, you have heard of the dispensation of grace. If you have heard of the grace of God. And you have heard of how he basically skipped. He didn't, he didn't just stay with the Jews, but he actually skipped over and he allowed Gentiles to be able to be saved. If you've heard that, yes. amen. amen, that's what he's saying. And he says, verse 3, how that by revelation, right. amen, say, say revelation. revelation, that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words. Now, Whereby, when you read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Now, he's talking about 
something being revealed, having a revelation. Amen. Have you ever been doing something and you just all of a sudden, boom, you had a revelation? Oh my goodness, I... I just figured out how to do that, right? right? Some of you get revelations by watching, uh, you know, something on YouTube. Like I was watching how to how to fix my washing machine on YouTube, and I had a revelation. Oh, that's how you do that, right? You just, you know, unscrew this part, and then you take that part out, and you, you know, make sure that's draining right. Oh man, that's awesome, right? But it, it was a revelation because before that time, I did not understand it. Before that time, I didn't know it, so I I had something revealed to me, and and he's talking about the revelation that was made known to him. He said, before I didn't get it, before I didn't understand it, but God revealed it to me. He showed it to me. And so he goes on to talk about the mystery. And and I would just say when he starts with if, when he starts with if, before he goes into this, this should tell us, this one little word should tell us a lot of things, but if it should tell us anything, it should tell us never take the truth for granted. Amen. Amen. Never take the truth for granted. Every time you get to hear the word of truth, every time you get to hear God's word, amen, coming to you unfiltered, unadulterated, not watered down. Every time you get to hear the truth of the word of God, he said, if you've heard it, if you've uh, been able to have the privilege of getting it, don't take it for granted. And so what he is getting ready to show is he's getting ready to show that the Gentiles had had grace extended to them by God. And he said, uh, the, you know, you know, I made known to the mystery whereby you, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery. I said, I'm writing this so that what I got revealed to me, I can share with you. Yes. Amen. That's powerful. And he says, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. Now, check it. As it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. It is being made evident. Amen. It is being shown that God is for the Gentiles as well. That His Spirit is available. And so he goes on to explain it because Jews were not... They they weren't real uh, receiving of this message. And so he goes on in verse 6 and he says, Here it is, this is the mystery, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ by the Gospel. Amen. This is, and he keeps on going. I'm gonna, I'm gonna not dwell here real long. But what he's saying is now the Gentiles have grace extended to them. Right. It, it was just for the Jews, Amen. But whenever the Jews then rejected it, Amen. God said, "I'm gonna open this up for everybody. This is not just for the Jews anymore. Now it's for the Jews and it's for the Gentile. It's for whosoever will, Amen." And Paul said, "We can be partakers of His promise." In Christ, by the same gospel. You know what that tells me? The gospel has no favorites. It doesn't matter if you're red, yellow, black, or white. Amen. It doesn't matter if you're uh, if you're a Hispanic or or you're a Russian. It doesn't matter. Amen. If you're American or you're Korean, it doesn't matter where you came from or where you brought up. The gospel has no favorites. He said we can all be partakers of the promise. Amen. In Christ. And then he says in verse 7, whereof I was made a minister. Paul was a minister to the Gentiles. Remember, he first called himself a prisoner of Jesus Christ for the Gentiles. And now he's saying, I'm a minister. Uh, Paul was a minister to the Gentiles. And he says, it's according to the gift of grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power. He's basically saying, there's no way I can pull this off by myself. 
The only way that I can do it is because His grace is sufficient. The only way I can do it is because His grace is enough for me. I, I couldn't be good enough. I, I couldn't present this, amen, in the best possible way, but He has given me grace to do what I'm doing. Amen. And He says, look at, look at how he, he goes on. Verse 8, Unto me who am less than the least of all saints. Would you, would you classify Paul as the least of all saints? I probably wouldn't. But he says, I'm less than the least of all. And to, unto me is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles. Look what he says. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Hmm. That means you can't ever find them all out. They're, they're so uh, amazing. They're so powerful. There's so much there. There's no end to the riches of Christ. When you get into the Word of God, you can read it a hundred times, and the hundred and first time, you're going to see something new. Amen. Every time you get into the Word of God, it's going to be alive. It's unsearchable. There's no way that you can master this and find it all out. Some people have memorized the Bible. I don't care if you memorize it backwards. You still could not get all the riches that are in the Word of God. He said they're given to me by the unsearchable riches. I'm going to preach the unsearchable riches. I'll never run out of stuff to preach because it's unsearchable. You can never come on somebody. You can never comprehend that all that God wants to do. And He said, I've got so much that I want to share with you. In verse 9 he says, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Amen. He's starting to bring it all together now. Which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. And, and, and I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to try to not dwell too long here on some of this stuff, but I, I, I get excited when I get into verse 10. He says, this is, this is the whole reason. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Now, I, I just let me... Take a few minutes because that's a, that's a lot of words. That's a lot of big words and sometimes we just kind of skip right through it. So let me see if I can maybe slow down here a little bit. The church, Jew and Gentile, is what he's talking about here. And he says, this is the mystery. Now it's come together. Now Jews and Gentiles are part of one body, the body of Christ. And they're called the church. And the church is literally knocking the devil's teeth out. That's what he's saying. He's saying, and it's not, not just that, but he's saying it's being made known uh, unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Now, some of you are like, in heavenly places. Let me, let me share with you this. It's kind of like we are the actors. We are the ones in the drama, right? And all of heaven is watching. And heaven is looking down and, and the angels are watching the church. Used to just be the Jews and now, come on, Colton's preaching with me. Wow. It used to just be the Jews now it's the Jews and the Gentiles and the angels are going, whoa. That's what they're doing. Whoa. That's awesome that you could bring the Jews and the Gentile in one body. That you could bring two people who hated each other and you could bring them together. And he's saying, it's happening so that it might be made known by the church. So that the power of God can be shown by the church. The grace of God can be shown by the church. The church is his masterpiece. He said, look what I can do with my body. Amen. 
And this, this word manifold, it actually means, if, if you can think of multifaceted, the multifaceted wisdom of God. Sister Geta, I don't know if you're ready to help me, but if you are ready to help me, put up those uncut diamonds. Can you put up some uncut diamonds? These are the biggest diamonds that have ever been discovered in the world. You see them? They're there. No? All right, well, if you have the electronic bulletin, then you have them right in front of you. If you don't have the electronic bulletin, all you have to do is text PLEASE to 502-200-8425. Those uncut diamonds that you see, look, look at the next picture. That's what the difference between an uncut diamond and a multifaceted diamond look like. Are you with me? Saying, wow, that's awesome. Look at that. Look at that. What does the diamond do once it has been multifaceted? It displays even more beauty. It shows the true beauty, the, the extent of the diamond. Now, it's cool when it's uncut. I mean, it's just a big hunk of diamond. But then once it gets trimmed and it gets shaved and it gets polished and you get to see all the different cuts, it brings so much more light. And the Scripture says, Heaven is looking down. And at first all they saw was the uncut diamond. Now what they see in the church is they see, oh wow, look at all the things He's bringing together. Look at all the things He has made possible. Oh, the wisdom of God. What is, what is the church making known? The church is making known that the devil is defeated. The church is making known that Jesus is victorious. The church is making known that by His blood, we all have access into the throne room. The church is making known, amen, don't, don't get upset because he's, he's telling the Jews, he's like, don't get upset because the Gentiles are now part of the church. He's like, don't, don't be frustrated. Don't get upset about that. That's actually an awesome thing that He included the Gentiles. Now, it's not just the uncut diamond. Now, it is the multifaceted diamond. Now, it is the most beautiful diamond. It's showing off the wisdom and the providence of God. And it says, verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. This was why He did it. Verse 12, in whom we, somebody say we. we, we have boldness. Bold and amazing ability. That's what boldness is. We have bold and amazing ability and we have access with confidence by the faith of Him. What do we have confidence? What, what is our confidence? We have the confidence that we can speak and we can interrelate and we can interact with the Almighty God of the universe. We didn't have that, but He made it possible for us. He granted, amen, that we would have boldness. Not just, oh God, can I talk to you today? No, God, I need you today. God, I'm coming before you and I believe and I know that you are able to do, amen, what you said you would do. And so we look here at verse 13. He says, Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. I, I'm not going to get into this real deep, but he's saying, you know, don't, don't stress out about me and what I'm going through. It's all good. God's got this. Verse 14, for this cause, he says, I bow my knees unto the Father of, uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, of whom the whole family. Everybody say the whole family. The whole family. 
Mm-mm. The whole family. It, well, I don't know if we should liken our church to a family. Well, it is a family. Amen. Amen. We are family. <laughs> Some of you, we are family. Yes, we are. <laughs> we are family. We are the body of Christ. The Word of God declares, amen, that we are the whole family. The whole family in heaven and earth, I want you to get this, is named. This, this blows a lot of other theology out of the water right here. The whole family in heaven and earth is named after Jesus. That's who the whole family... How do you know? Why? Because Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Amen? So the whole family comes from the Father and we're named after Jesus. <laughs> well, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Somebody say the inner man. man. What is the inner man? You know, some people, I don't know what the inner man is. That sounds kind of weird. That's like the voices in my head or something. The inner man is your spiritual power. The spiritual power that God gives you. Amen. To do the right thing even when you want to do the wrong thing. Amen. To go the right way even when your flesh is pulling you the wrong way. Some people look and they say, you know, I think that, uh, I really think that, you know, that, that this, this uh, opportunity that God has given me, it's kind of like a get out of jail free card, right? Anybody ever remember those little get out of jail free cards? And you get one in, in Monopoly, and you'd hold on to it, you know, until it's like, I can't roll my way out of this thing, you know. So I'm going to have to use this because everybody else is running around the board and collecting $200 every time, and, and they're buying up all the properties, and there's nothing else I can do. And sometimes we look at our salvation as just simply our get out of hell free card. It's like, well, hey, look, I got my get out of hell free. That's all I got. You know, God saved me. He died for me. That's not the only purpose He saved you. He didn't just save you to save you from hell. He also saved you unto some good things. He he also has a purpose and a plan for your life. Amen. That's why uh, the the, the Apostle is saying here, he's saying, I'm I'm telling you about the whole family, amen, that came from the Father, that's named after Jesus. You've got power in your inner man. You've got spiritual power through the Holy Spirit. Amen. And he says in verse uh, 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. Let me go back to that. That Christ may dwell. How is He going to dwell? Through the Holy Spirit that He places inside of you. Amen. Last week, Kayla's sitting right here. Last week, Kayla was filled with God's Spirit. He's doing something powerful in your life. Why? Because He came to dwell on the inside of you through the Holy Spirit. And I've got verses. I could give you more and more verses, and I'm trying to keep it short today. But uh, Colossians 2.9, read that. Colossians 1.19, He wants to dwell in you through His Spirit. He wants to give you power. He wants to help you. I can't understand the Bible. I can't understand things about God. That you can comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. He's trying to show you through His power that's at work in you through, amen, His Spirit that's alive in your life. Amen. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. 
not Jehovah Junior, but that you can be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. Let me just let me just tell you this: Christ is the totality of the Godhead. Yes. Colossians chapter two and verse nine: Jesus Christ is the totality of the Godhead. And let me tell you this too: Christ fills us. Yes. You receive. All you will ever need when you receive the Holy Ghost. You don't need the Holy Ghost and then some more. And I'm going to talk about this, but when you receive the Holy Ghost, you don't just receive the Holy Ghost, you receive power. You receive gifts. Amen? You receive, come on somebody, you receive anointing, you receive blessing. When you receive the Holy Ghost, that's what you have in your life. Amen. And, and all hell may try to fight it. All hell may try to come against it. Amen. And you may feel like there's no way I'm going to be able to, to, to handle this. But let's read on because this is what he's praying for the church in Ephesus. He said, now unto him. Man, he's closing it out with a big exclamation point. Unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Now get this. He's saying... I want to blow your mind. I really want to blow your mind. I want you to understand that when I gave you the Holy Ghost, I gave you the most powerful thing on the planet. Come on now. I, 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 you, some of you are looking at me like, like a monkey's looking at a road map. I'm trying to, I'm trying to share, amen, what the Scripture is telling. It's saying He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or even think according to the power, the Holy Ghost that He placed on the inside of us. And some people are like, I know I got the Holy Ghost, but the devil scares me. Quit it! Just stop. you got to quit that mess. Why? Because God has given you His power on the inside of you and He wants to do some awesome things in your life. Amen. Amen. God wants to blow your mind with what He can do in you and through you with the Holy Ghost. And so he finishes this up and he says, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. And then it's like this big, huge, Amen. So be it. That's what he's saying. When you hear somebody say, Amen, that's what they're saying. So be it. I believe that. So be it. <laughs> Amen. And he gets into chapter 4, and I'm, you know, some of you are nervous. I've only been going 20 minutes, so just, you know, stay with me. That's pretty good covering a whole chapter in 20 minutes. But chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I therefore the prisoner, he goes back to the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you that you, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. So when he says, I beseech you, he said, I'm pleading with you for unity. You got Jews. Now you got Gentiles. I'm pleading with you. Get along. Don't be stubborn and bullheaded. Get along with each other. And he said, I'm, I'm pleading for unity. I'm pleading that you would walk in a worthy manner. What does walk mean? No. No, it means how you live your life. I'm sorry, I thought you were talking about the way I was walking. When, he's, when he says... I want you to walk. He's saying, I want you to live your life in a way that people will say, wow, that's awesome. Look at the unity that that body has. Look at the unity that that church has. And it talks about the vocation or the NIV says the calling. Can I just say this? Our actions are more important than our words. 
People are going to look and they're going to see what you do more than just hear what you say. And he says, this is how, this is how they're going to, this is how you're going to be able to walk worthy. He says, with all lowliness, meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. I know people who left the church because somebody didn't shake their hand. Oh no, that's not what the Scripture says. It says lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, and forbearing. That means we may have a, a few people in here that get on your nerves. You need to learn how to deal with it. Have you ever been a part of anything that nobody got on your nerves? I haven't. I mean, there's always that one, you know what I mean? There's always that one you're like, oh God, please give me strength, you know? He's saying that we should be able to tolerate one another. There should be humility in our lives. We have a responsibility to be meek or to be gentle, to be patient, long-suffering, to, to, to love tolerance. And he's saying unity is the key. You should obtain unity at any cost. Because when people look at a church and they see people fighting and arguing and, and all kinds of cliques and division, all kinds of problems, he said, people don't want that. He said, you're not... You're not representing my body well when you do that. He's saying you should bring it all together, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What is he saying? He's saying do your best. I know there are some people that are going to really wear hard on that last nerve, but do your best. And then he says, verse 4, there is one body. Everybody say one body. That's the church. And there's one Spirit. Amen. And that's the Holy Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. This is your hope. Amen. It, 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 here's, here's the thing. He goes into verse 5 and he says, there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. One God, verse 6, and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. There's not a trinity of God's. There's, come on, there's not three. There's not Jehovah Superior and Jehovah Junior. There's, there's one God. Amen. And He says, look, there's only one. There's one Lord. There's one faith. There's one baptism. There's one God and Father of all who's above all and through all and in you all. Well, verse 7 says, but unto every one of us. I, I think that verse 7 probably should have started with yet. Yet unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. You know, because he's, he's explaining all this, and then it's, he's saying, we are all given distinct gifts. That's what he's saying. He said, all, this, all these things that we take into account, every one of us is given gifts. We are all special. We are all important. Look at your neighbor and tell him, say, you're important. Even if you're sleeping right now, you're important. Tell him, come on, say, wake up. You're important. Say, you can smell Mexican food. Pastor's almost done. Amen. Verse 8. I'm going to keep moving so I can retain your focus for just a, a few minutes longer. Verse 8, Wherefore He saith when He ascended up on high and led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. So gifts begin with the ministries. Amen. Use your gifts. Somebody say, use your gifts. Yes. Now that He ascended, what it is? Uh, what is it but He that also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? Now, Again, if I, I could take a lot of time, not going to take a lot of time. He that descended is the same also that ascended far up above all the heavens, that He might fill all things. 
Just give you a real quick rundown. I'll give you a summary right there. Who, who was crucified and then buried? Jesus. Jesus. Who descended into the lower parts and took captivity captive? Jesus. Jesus who ascended up into the heavens above all things? Jesus. Amen. And who now lives in... And, and the, the Scripture says it like this, that He might fill all things. Who lives inside of us? Jesus. Man, you guys are smart. There's some people that read that and they can't even figure it out. That's exactly what it means. Verse 11. Uh, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. He went to the lower parts. I could give you a lot more verses if you're listening to the audio podcast. Let me just say, Luke 24, 49, he went into the lower parts. John 16, 7, he went into the lower parts. If you want to see the verses about Jesus descending, 2 Peter 2, 4 and 1 Peter 3, 18. Some of you are like, I didn't get that. Get, see me later. But the gifts begin with the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And He gave some. And this is what He gave them for. For what? The perfecting. The perfecting. Look, look. some people would say maturing, that's close. The other, the other words that uh, match here would be the equipping or the preparing. This is what the ministry is for. Well, pastor, you're supposed to do everything. No, no, no. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says this ministry right here is for the perfecting, the equipping, the preparing, and the maturing of the saints for what? What are the saints supposed to do? Oh, oh, oh wait a second. Now I just came full circle on you, right? Who's supposed to do the work of ministry? Oh, 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 not the minister. The minister's not supposed to do the work of ministry. The saints are supposed to do the work of ministry. The minister or the pastor or the teacher or the evangelist is supposed to equip you. Oh, yeah. Yep, it's, it. it's in there. I didn't make it up. Man, I, I love that right there. Amen. My job is to equip you. My job is to prepare you. And I'm doing my job. I am. I'm teaching you what the Word of God says. I'm helping you, amen, to learn how to do ministry. I'm going to equip you and prepare you. And then guess what? When we have evangelists in here, guess what they're going to do? They're going to equip you. They're going to prepare you. When we have teachers come and teach, they're going to equip you. They're going to prepare you. Why? Because you've got to do the work of ministry. Amen. That's what He called us to do. And this is what the work of ministry will do for the edifying. Everybody say edifying. edifying. That means building up. The building up of the body of Christ. So, let me, I'm just, I don't, I don't want to be negative. I'm going to stay positive. But let me just throw this in there. You think you're doing the work of ministry. You think that you're a good saint doing the work of ministry. And guess what the work of ministry is supposed to be? Building up the body of Christ. So let me just throw in a thought. If you are tearing down, you are not doing the work of ministry. If you are negative and you are tearing down and you always have something to say, you are not doing the work of ministry. That's good. That's good. I don't... Man, I could chew on that for a while. Why? Because I want to do the work of ministry. I want to do what I was called to do. Amen. I want to equip people to be able to do the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. And it, this gives us a goal. This is our goal. Verse 13. Till we all. Everybody say all. 
Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect, somebody say mature, mature. a mature man or woman unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's our goal. It's not yet achieved because we got some immature people. Right? And, and you may be mature, but somebody else may be immature. And guess what your job is? Build them up to maturity. <laughs> Not look at them and say, man, you're so dumb. No, we're supposed to build them up. Right. Teach them a Bible study. Take them to coffee. Amen. Pray with them. Pray for them. Right. Do, do something. Why? Because we've got mature and immature and they're always going to be mixed. You're, going to have, you're always going to have that one person. And, and the Bible says, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a mature man. That's maturity. That's our goal. Amen. In Jesus Christ. And so, uh, Jesus is the basis. Pastor is not the basis. Kathy's not the basis. Abbots, Coopers, Rivera's, none of those people are the basis. You know who the basis of how do we know what maturity is? Jesus. Can I tell you, I'm not there yet. I am not there yet. So guess what? That's what I'm striving for. Amen. I'm striving for that kind of maturity. And, and, and so how would, how would I know that I'm mature if I'm doing things like Jesus would do them? If, if in every area of my life, I'm just like Jesus, we're good. But I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm still working on it. Amen? And He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. We had that last week. Alright, let's go on and we're just about to finish. Okay? Verse 14. That we henceforth, uh, that's like from here on out, be no more children. Man, why does He go to this? That we be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. When he's saying that we, don't, uh, we wouldn't be children, he's saying quit acting like babies. He's, he's kind of contrasting the, the, the babies and infants. He's saying we don't need to be babies anymore because now we have a responsibility. Babies don't have a responsibility. All they do is cry and eat and sleep and go to the bathroom. That's all they do. And that's, they, they do it whenever they want to and however they want to. There's no responsibility there. He said that we don't act like babies anymore because now we're starting to come into maturity. And he says when he says the word tossed, He's talking about uh, uh, the opposite of having a made-up mind. Right. He's saying, quit being babies and make up your mind. Right. Right. <laughs> well, I don't like that, Pastor. Don't be, don't be pointing your finger at me. A made-up mind will keep you from false doctrine. Yes. Right. Amen. A made-up mind will keep you from slipping. Amen. A made-up mind will keep you from going off on teachings that have nothing to do with the Word of God. We have a responsibility, amen, to the truth. We aren't babies anymore. He's saying, hold fast to that. You've got you to understand you can't be tossed to and fro every time something, oh, that sounds good. I think I'll go over here. Oh, that sounds good. And I think I'm going to go over there. He said, get yourself planted and don't be tossed about anymore. You're not a baby. You're maturing into what I have for you to become. Amen. Because what happens is when you blow everywhere the wind goes, you, you just believe whatever. And by, before you know it, you don't believe anything. You believe so much, you don't even know what you believe. And so verse 15, he says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up. Here we go again. 
grow up into Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now, I'm just going to point this out. Maybe you noticed, maybe you didn't. Verse 15 says, speaking the truth in love. That means that you can speak the truth in hate. And I say, stop it. Don't speak the truth in hate. Who cares how much you know? You might have the truth, but don't beat people over the head with it. Amen. Love them. Have a relationship with them. Amen. Pray for them. Pray with them. Why? Because we have a responsibility. We're not babies anymore. We can speak the truth in love. We can mature to the place where when somebody tries to get at us and push our buttons, we don't just respond. Ooh, it got real quiet on that one. It was like, sucked all the air out of here. Well, I don't like it when people pick on me. I don't like it when people say stuff to me. I know. But the, the Scripture says we can speak the truth in love. And we can grow up, we can mature, amen, into what Jesus has for us. Verse 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. This is what happens when everything's working like it's supposed to. Maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Jesus Christ Himself is the source of all unity. Nobody has the right to stray from Jesus. Why? Because He put the whole body together. It's His body. Amen. And the Scripture says that He has fitly joined it together. He's compacted it. And every joint is getting what it needs to have. And it says, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, and when it's all working together like it's supposed to, Amen, the church, what a masterpiece. Because it starts increasing. That's what happened in the book of Acts. They tried to stamp it out and it just kept increasing. Why? Because they understood that in Jesus Christ was the source of their power. In Jesus Christ was the source of their grace. Amen. And Jesus had made the church for Himself. Would you stand with me? What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that we're a masterpiece in progress. And this church and our maturity and, and where we're going, we're a masterpiece in progress, but we're His masterpiece. He's put it all together. It's His plan. Amen? It's not my plan. It's His plan. And I want to grow and to be who He wants me to be. Amen? I, I wish you would make that your prayer today as we close. Lord, make me who You want me to be. Help me to mature spiritually, God, emotionally. Uh, Help me to mature socially. God, help me to be who You want me to be. And God, if You'll do that, I'll be able to get along with people that I normally couldn't get along with. I'll be able to love the people that maybe it would be hard for me to love, even pastor. I'll be able to go the extra mile and, and show Your love and show Your compassion to everybody that I meet. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to just open up this altar, open up this whole place, turn it into a prayer room today. Amen. I I want to be His masterpiece, but I still have maturing to do. I still have some growth to do. I, I, I can't do this by myself. I need His help. I've got His Word and I have His Spirit. And so now if I'll just be obedient to Him and I'll follow after Him, He'll make me who He wants me to be. But it is a process, so I've got to surrender to the process. Amen. This altar's open. I, I'm closing today. I'm done. But I want you to just, just turn to God and say, God, help me to mature and to be who you want me to be.